Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, August 15th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, um, we got some surprising news today, and we're going to talk about it in a second, but I have a feeling that this won't be the only head-scratcher of an announcement to come over the next few weeks. While, as we say, there are always tons of shows circling Broadway, um, we don't know exactly what all of those shows are. So with 11 theaters having vacancies for the fall and or spring, including at least four in the fall right now, I think we're going to get some surprising show announcements over the next few weeks. And there are some straight-up wackadoo casting rumors floating around and some bonkers confirmed casting that hasn't been announced yet. So James... Uh, Strap in, because I think we're heading into a late summer silly season on Broadway, um, and I think today kind of got the ball rolling. So we're going to be doing uh, today on Broadway on Broadway. Uh, we got a theater? No, you never know. Maybe. We're going to do a live show every day. We're going to charge you $300 to come in and listen to us talk for 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> Uh, Speaking of that, though, they probably wouldn't pay for us talking together, but they might pay for just you because you're doing the show by yourself tomorrow uh, while I go and see a um, what am I seeing? Oh, the hitman's bodyguard. So uh, have fun with that one. Maybe you can make some extra money at the box office. (laughs) Excellent. Me by myself tomorrow. All right. So uh, getting the band back together is coming to Broadway. Uh, James, I. I mean, I don't even know what to say about this. Um, this was <laughs> one of those things that I was like, wait, what? I think that's actually what I said to you uh, in our yeah. chat room was, wait, what? Um, but yes, yesterday, producers, including the Mercurial one, Ken Davenport, announced that the long stagnant original musical Getting, not not Getting, I'm sorry, Getting the band back together will begin performances at the Belasco Theater on July 19th of 2018 ahead of an August 13 opening. Yes, that's a year from this past Sunday. The show will be directed by Town Tony winner John Rando and will feature a score by Mark Allen and a book by Davenport and the Grundle Shots, a group of actors who improvised scenes that Davenport then apparently crafted into a script. One of the Grundle Shots is actually apparently Sebastian Arcellus, so that's mm. kind of cool. Um, Sarah Salzberg, the original Logan Schwartz and Grubinier in the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, also contributed additional material. She wrote the play Miss Abigail's Guide to Dating, Mating, and Marriage, which Davenport also produced. According to a press release in the show, Mitch Papadopoulos always dreamed about being the next Bon Jovi, but he chose security over stardom and left those daydreams behind for a day job. For a while, he thought he had everything, the high-paying job, the high-rise apartment, until his 40th birthday when he got handed a pink slip and had to move back home in with his mom in Sayreville, New Jersey. And when his high school arch nemesis with a 20-year-old grudge and a tangerine spray tan threatens to foreclose on their house, this big-shot banker must save his small-town home the only way he can wait for it, by winning the Battle of the Bands. Oi. Uh, the show played the George Street Playhouse back in 2013 and starred Tony nominee Allison Frazier and Rock of Ages favorite Mitchell Jarvis. In a Broadway-aimed workshop in 2014, Constantine Maroulis and Mary Lou Henner were involved. Um, at this point, there is no cast announced for the Broadway run, but if you sign up for the show's mailing list, you can get a seven-song demo cast album. James, I listened to the whole thing, and and um, it was a whole thing. Uh, let's just say that the songs were 
in my opinion, much, much better when they were the score for The Wedding Singer. Um, obviously, a lot can change between a 2014 workshop and a 2018 Broadway run, but the songs didn't do much for me other than make me slightly offended and even more than slightly uncomfortable. Um, if you listen to the songs, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, James, this isn't the first time that a show has been announced for a Broadway theater, a specific Broadway theater, more than a year before opening. We are currently waiting for King Kong to take the Broadway next fall. However, it is pretty unusual, so I had to ask myself, why was this being done? Other than the obvious to encourage investors to contribute money for the better part of a year, the Belasco Theater is currently home to the terms of my surrender. And then, beginning on December 5th, we will welcome the one-of-a-kind Mark Rylance into that house in Farnelli and the King, which is scheduled to run through, this is important, March 25th. Now, obviously, extensions are possible, but even if there aren't any extensions, that's almost certainly not enough time to get a new show into the Belasco ahead of the Tony eligibility deadline. So... I could probably understand the Schubert's thinking with this show, which has been hoping to find a home for, at that point when it opens, five years. Get them in there. Give them this long leeway to try to raise enough money to make it successful. They can pay rent over the summer when it might be tough to fit another show in there if uh, if they you know don't want to open in the summer, even though that's becoming a fairly popular strategy recently. Then, if getting the band back together becomes a hit, great. They've got to hit at the Blasco. However, if it doesn't, they've still got plenty of time to get something new into the house during the fall, maybe if this closes around Labor Day. What do you think? That's like five-dimensional chess. Hey, man, that's what I do. You've seen, you've seen, my, uh, you've seen my spreadsheet of Broadway that's houses. Right. You know that's how I roll with this stuff. <laughs> that, uh, that lo- you lost me back with Ken Davenport wrote this? <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was I like I mean, five pages ago in the script. I, I, don't I don't know if he wrote it or if he took what the improvisers wrote and then he I don't, I don't know. It's it's Ken Davenport. I I, I don't know. I don't it's know. like he's building a studio system. They're like all Davenportites that have done <laughs> have done Davenportian type of things. Davenportian. I like it. Davenport. <laughs> Davenport acolyte. No, something we we got to come up with a T-shirt there somehow. Oh Lord! All right, all right. Let's talk about last week's Broadway grosses. Grosses. Well, <laughs> grosses. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Um, the numbers are a little bit deceiving, James, because overall Broadway was down three point five four three point five four percent, or one million one hundred twelve thousand two hundred sixty five dollars. But eight hundred seventy eight thousand three hundred sixty six of those dollars came from one show. So when you consider that this was the first week post-indecent, everything else stayed fairly steady. James, I don't know if you've looked at the grosses yet, but do you have a guess off the top of your head as to what that show that lost uh, more than $878,000 was? Uh, you just said it, indecent. What, didn't indecent no. have an $800,000 week? Yes, no, but that's not... Uh, no, what I meant from week to week, one show was in the red for $878,000, and that was Kinky Boots, who oh, saw God. rock star Brendan Urie exit the show at the end of the previous week. The show's week-to-week grosses dropped by well over 50%, coming in at just $805,897. Now, James, considering that this is a show that's been open for more than two years and has long since recouped, and has its original stars returning next month to play the show through the end of the year, that actually isn't a terrible number. But when you were up around 1.7 million the previous week, it is pretty staggering. 
Some more staggering numbers come in the form of the top five risers of the week. First, Prince of Broadway moved to eight shows for the first time, so obviously it had an increase. It went up 194K, even though it still only grossed 310. Then in second, On Your Feet, which closes at the end of this week, picked up almost $162,000 to break the million-dollar mark. Then Wicked, which had a nine-show week and passed Mamma Mia as the eighth-longest-running show in Broadway history, crossed the $2 million threshold. But then... Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 picked up an extra 106000 in the week that it announced its closing and was just on the outside looking into the seven-figure club. And then finally, the, the week's fifth biggest gainer, Groundhog Day, saw week-over-week week number in the black for just the third time in the nine weeks following the Tony Awards. It picked up almost 97000 to come in at 704000 James, I think it's probably premature to assume that that had anything to do with Bill Murray's back-to-back trips <laughs> to the August Wilson, but that obviously couldn't have hurt. Overall, Hamilton, Obvi, led the way at $3,040,435, followed by The Lion King and Hello, Dolly, both at around $2.2 million, the aforementioned Wicked, and then Aladdin at one point seven. Also above a, above a million in sequential order were Dear Evan Hansen, Come From Away, The Book of Mormon, The Phantom of the Opera, On Your Feet, as previously mentioned, School of Rock, Anastasia, which is really the least discussed hit on Broadway in a while. It's grossed seven figures in six of its 18 eight-show weeks on Broadway, so let that sit in there, because we don't talk about Anastasia almost at all. And then wrapping up the million-dollar list is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. James, the only play currently on Broadway that's playing an open-ended run is the play that goes wrong, and it's sputtering a little bit, although it's kind of staying steady, too. Last week, it brought in 332000 and while I don't think it's an extremely expensive show to run, at less than 50% of gross potential, I wonder how long it has left. It has only been above a, a half million dollars once in its time on Broadway, and above 400000 only three other times. So I wonder how long J.J. Abrams and the show's other producers will keep that one around at the Lyceum. Another show that caught my eye this week, James, was Beautiful. It came in at only $675,000, which, again, for a fairly long-running show that's already recouped, isn't terrible, but it also isn't great. However, James, if you recall, last August, the show was hovering in the low to mid-700s, and a lot of people, myself included on this very podcast, assumed that it would end up closing around New Year's. But after Labor Day of 2016, it rocketed up, passing a million dollars twice in October and twice in December, and averaged $927,870 per week through the end of the year beginning on Labor Day. In fact, after Labor Day, it was only below 900 k four times during eight show weeks the rest of the year. Now, James, I have no idea what will happen again uh, with with Beautiful this year, but if Roundabout is hoping to get the Stephen Sondheim Theater back anytime soon, I wouldn't be too optimistic. RTC hasn't announced its Broadway season yet, so I don't know if they're trying to wait and play games to see if they can fit something else into the Sondheim, but if I were them, I would not bank on seeing Beautiful go away anytime soon. Now to wrap up here real quick, James, on our bubble watch. Now that Bandstand has announced closing for next month, War Paint is the lowest grossing musical still kicking around from last season that hasn't announced a closing date. It did have a slight $10,000 bump last week, even though last week was its worst week on Broadway, but still grossed only $581,521. From there was a big jump all the way up to a Bronx Tale, which moved back up above $700,000, as did Groundhog Day. Now, then you've got Miss Saigon, which we know is already scheduled to close on January 8th, but it's not doing too great at just 620000 It's the It's the lowest week that the show has had on Broadway. However, James, back to five-dimensional chess. With King Kong waiting in the wings next fall, 
and a Miss Saigon tour already announced. If the show can continue to tread water at or around this rate, and maybe the Schubert's give them a little break on rent during the tough weeks in the fall, I don't know if closing before the new year when it was originally scheduled does any good unless they do it, you know, at Labor Day, uh, because I think it might be tough to get a show turned around that quickly in for the fall if they don't have enough planning. And then who's going to really want to come in in the fall and then play the spring as well, but know they've got to close at the end of the summer to make room for whatever renovations they have to do to get a big giant gorilla on stage at the Broadway theater. So I think unless something staggering happens with Miss Saigon, it will play out its run through January 8th of 2018. I think these are very good arguments that you're making there. <laughs> Again, you have you have no idea what I said. You like are playing a game with your daughter on her phone or something right now, aren't you? <laughs> She's at Quadden right now. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> All right, uh, show and casting news. Harold Prince wants to bring Evita. Back to Broadway. Uh, yes, James, I've got some quick hitter stuff here, starting with this story. So um, I don't know if any of them other than this one need much discussion, but I feel bad that I've been talking so much today. So if you want to chime in at any point, feel free. Um, anyway, first, last week it was announced that Hal Prince will be restaging his original production of Evita as part of the show's 40th anniversary international tour beginning this fall in South Africa. The tour will begin performances in Johannesburg on October 14th before going to Cape Town, Tokyo, and then the Sydney Opera House in September of next year. However, that's not the last stop that Hal has in mind. As he told Playbill, he is determined to bring this production to Broadway, but if they don't do it with Mandy, Patty, and Bob Gunton, don't even talk to me. Just keep moving. I don't want to hear it. Don't give me friggin' Ricky Martin or anything. Anyway, um, next up, the award-winning satire musical When Pigs Fly will begin previews at Stage 42 Off-Broadway beginning on October 6th, ahead of an October 30th opening. In a hastily booked theater, a theater under renovation, Howard struggles to put on a lavish musical review over numerous obstacles, including the near mutiny of his cast and the nagging memory of his high school guidance counselor who told him he'd succeed when pigs fly. Apparently, this had a beloved off-Broadway run uh, before, so this is a revival and I've heard the big thing about this show is the costumes, so I'm hoping that they do the costumes as well as everyone's been talking about. Also off-Broadway yesterday, the Irish rep announced casting for the New York premiere of the late Brian Friel's The Home Place. It will be directed by Charlotte Moore and performances begin on September 27th and it is scheduled to run through November 9th. Uh, we will have that complete casting. There aren't any huge names, so if you want to check out that casting, it'll be in the show notes. And then finally, um, in this section, two more off-Broadway Stories On Monday, the King Company announced that their season will feature The Lonely Planet by Stephen Deitz. The show will run October 3rd through November 18th. And then in February, A.R. Gurney's Later Life will run from the 27th through April 14th. Both shows will be directed by Jonathan Silverstein. And then the York Theatre Company announced that they will present the New York premiere of the new musical Desperate Measures which features a book and lyrics by Peter Kellogg and music by David Friedman. The show is, quote, a foot-stomping, knee-slapping new musical with a nod to Shakespeare's Measure for Measure. Of course it is. The limited engagement begins Tuesday, September 19th and continues through Sunday, October 15th. And then one more thing, James, um, we wanted to send out a congratulations to Tony-nominated director and choreographer Dan Connectus, who is the new artistic director at Houston's Theater Under the Stars. He's worked with them on shows before, and he is going to be taking over as the artistic director there. That's one of those great regional theaters outside of New York that, um, if you don't kind of pay attention to all the stuff that pops up on Broadway World and the other sites you might not know about, but they do a lot of really good work down there. And Dan Connectus, who... Um, 
has done uh, well he most recently did how to succeed in business without really trying down there but he's a tony nominee for things like um xanadu 25th annual putnam county spelling bee uh 110 in the shade sondheim on sondheim he's he's really great i know a lot of people who've worked with him who just love him so uh congratulations to dan connectus all right uh oh our friends over at broad wasted are gonna release a new radio play Broad wasted away today. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what this is going to be, but they are doing a three-part. You never know with those guys; yeah. they're crazy. Um, they they are going to have a three-episode radio play. I don't know if it's going to be a musical or not. I don't think it is. Um, it is written by Kevin, who's one of the three hosts, and they've got some insane people um, a part of it. Um, everyone from. Michael freaking Cerverus to Jeremy Jordan uh, to Queen Leslie Margarita, um, our friend Robbie Rizel, Max Crum, Lily Cooper, Tony nominee Mike Feist, Tony winner James Monroe Eigelhart, um, Will Roland from Dear Evan Hansen, um, and, um, Andrew Bradis, annoying actor friend, and, and many, many others. Uh, Haley Podshoon from Hello Dolly is in there as well. Um, I have no idea what this is going to be, but I love that they're kind of doing something different. Um, Kevin is by trade a, a theater writer, so it, it's fun to see him doing that. And as I told them in an email um, earlier yesterday, uh, I was kind of underwhelmed by that 36 questions, three part um, Mm -hmm. radio musical that Jonathan Groff was part of. So hopefully this will be better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, but that being said, James, you're doing, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you're doing tomorrow's episode by yourself. I'm doing uh, the following day's episode by myself. So I think I'm going to grab Kevin to chat for a few minutes to kind of tell us about that after the first episode is out. All right. Why don't you get us out of here? Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at BWBMAT, and subscribe to Something Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com or BroadwayStars.com. It's Tuesday, so get out there and take on the world. I will be back and uh, talk with you on Wednesday. Matt will be back on Thursday. Then maybe the both of us will be back on Friday. We'll talk to you then. Mm-hmm.